0: Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Hope for Today. I'm so glad you're my guest. It's good to see you again, or if you're on Charisma Podcast, I'm glad you're listening today. I hope this has been a great week for you. And, you know, sometimes we have weeks as, that's not so good. Well, let's, let's start it right now, that what we're going to talk about today, I believe will bring some hope to you, because it's hope for the church. And if you're part of the church, you're wanting it to be better and better. And so sometimes, to make it better, we just have to go right back to the Word, to what was done before, and watch God kind of recreate it in our hearts. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, is taking something ancient something that God gave to the church 2000 years ago and in a lot of places it's just coming alive again so we're we're navigating it by going to places and looking at people that God has anointed to recreate the early church because it worked and today I'm so glad to introduce a friend of mine Ron Ebas who is in Turlock California he pastors a wonderful church Harvest Church and How many campuses do you have around now?
1: Uh, Right now, we're meeting in four locations, but in a couple days, I'm going to be announcing two more. So there's going
0: to be six here soon. Wow. And then you have multiple services in some of them. Yeah. So uh, it's quite a busy place there in California, and uh, I've been there multiple times. The glory of God's presence is tangible. It's exciting. It's vibrant. And I have labeled this church there are, are churches I visit. There are great churches, but I don't say this about them. But your church, the church that you pastor, uh, I call it an apostolic hub. And so we're going to talk about that today, what it means in this culture uh, to have an apostolic hub. We we look back at the early church. We know Jerusalem certainly was apostolic hub where it would send people out. People would come in and out training and all that. But I don't I really want to hear more from you, Rob, because you're do, you're literally doing what uh, I get excited to see. So let's get some history on the church you pastor, what the church was into what it is now, and how long you've been there. Can you help me with that? Sure. We're about 104 years old. Okay. So
1: obviously I wasn't here when it started.
0: Right. And uh, <laughs> I'm
1: a little younger than that, but uh, it's really a a church that began as a result of Amy Simple McPherson going through our town. And okay. so folks getting filled with the Holy
0: Spirit, they started a prayer meeting in 1914. So I love the Amy Simple McPherson. For those who may not know, can you give us some detail on who she yeah, is? She's
1: she's actually the founder of the Foursquare denomination. So if, she, if people aren't familiar with her, uh, she started uh, Angelus Temple in Los Angeles. Right. And she was known for just her creativity and evangelism but also just signs, wonders, and miracles. Right, So, right. I mean, thousands of people get healed in her services. And then she was really known for um, illustrative sermons and thousands of people getting saved. She actually built Angela's Temple, just a little bit of history, in the early 30s during the Depression, debt-free.
0: That's a that's yeah. a big place. Amazing. Wow.
1: Yeah, two balconies. So that's where wow. uh, Matthew Barnett actually pastored now. Right. Okay. Good night. The LA there. Dream Center. So- so she had actually come through Turlock at least a couple times that we know of. So one of those times, a bunch of people got filled with the Holy Spirit, started a prayer meeting in 1914. By 1917, started a church and they called it the Pentecostal Mission. And sure. uh, then, so of course, it grew from there. I came here in 19, I became an associate pastor in 1995. And uh, three years later, at the age of 27, I became the senior pastor. And uh, so by that time, the church was probably about 80-some-odd years old. It had gone through the decline. My predecessor had come and made some changes and started kind of bringing it back to health. But we were that in between stage. Anything could happen at this point. Do we go backwards or do we move forward? It's kind of like any church, I think. Uh, it goes through a cycle of birth and revi- of uh, health and growth. And then if you don't revitalize it, you know, it goes down. It ages. Rook. So, Rook. Um, so about a year after being here, uh, less than a year, or being a senior pastor, uh, you know, that was a time when the Seeker Friendly movement was really uh, oh. taken off. And they got nothing against that. And, uh, you know, the heart was to reach people. But every time I wanted to go that way, because everybody was going in that direction, the Lord stopped me and said, no, that's not for you. Not knowing that soon after that, the Lord was going to touch us and so in august of 1999 we experienced renewal and the holy spirit just touched our church and so what was a classical pentecostal church but pentecostal doctrine without much demonstration uh we started experiencing just the move of the holy spirit and people getting healed and filled with the spirit and just the manifestations of the spirit so that was in august of 1999 so since then really our passion and our goal as leaders has been how do we pass through revival where it's not just for a few months a few years but really it's a, it's the book of Acts church and right. what does that look like so what, one of the challenges in those early days was and I think this kind of goes to the topic we're talking about is I love the presence of God and I love the Holy Spirit but I also love leadership I love the structure I love Building, and back in those days, it was really hard to find someone that could that like a prototype that you could look to that both right. functioned in the move of the spirit and yet was an amazing leader. And right. uh, so you had people that were amazing leaders, but couldn't recognize the Holy Spirit if He you know showed up, and <laughs> you had people who just loved the presence of God but couldn't lead anything. And uh, so we said, you know what, we're just going to create our own prototype. And be who God's called us to be, where we could lead well, but also give a lot of freedom to the okay. move of the Spirit. Now, obviously, today there's many, many leaders who just do both really well. Uh, but that was the beginning stages for us in, you know, building that church. And so now this year we've been here as senior pastors 25 years, and uh, congratulations! That's great. Thanks. And uh, we still got some years ahead of us. And just the momentum that we've seen, and of course we've seen growth throughout that time, but just the momentum the last few years has just been phenomenal. And uh, so we feel that we have a, quite a few years still left in us to uh, see God build His church.
0: Right, that's that's really great. I travel a lot, travel the nations, and what I how, how I can know a church is an, a really strong apostolically anointed Bible ministry. Center is really when there's a propensity for the signs of wonders. And it's really interesting that Amy Simple McPherson planted this church. So, but you don't have to have a miraculous healer to plant your church, but you have to cultivate the environment. So, when I go to other nations, uh, often it's it's so easy to per- perform signs, wonders, and miracles. But your church, the, the grounds of your church, the environment of your the church you pastor then, you know, sometimes the other churches come together. There's such an environment for the and miraculous makes it very easy to operate in the prophetic, to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. That's when I know it's a fertile ground for um, being called an apostolic hub. You know, fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4.11, this is so hopeful for the church today. It talks about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, the teacher, And being raised in church all my life, when I was a a kid, we had what we call revival services, and we would bring in evangelists. But what I understand that now, I would call them revivalists. Uh, They were to stir up the body. The true evangelist is to help equip the church to reach the lost. But what I see at your church, Ron, the people you bring in are people that really help you reach where you're going as a church. Not even, I don't see, when you call me in, I'm not there to revive your people. I walk in, and this is a church revived. This is a church alive. This is a church planting and sending and speaking life into your community, even into the politi- political arena, and that's what an apostolic hub does too. So let, let's let talk a little bit about your involvement in your communities as a church because you're bleeding over outside the church walls. How are you affecting your community?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, I remember when I first came, you know, there's those prayers that you pray as a young pastor, really scared uh-huh. after your first church, right? So I remember right. one of the prayers was, um, actually it was more of a declaration, but I think it was a Holy Spirit declaration. I said, God, I will, I will give my life to this place if this is where you've called me. And I said, and I want to change the culture of our community. And I think that's right. really what a church is called to do. And I, Right. Whether you want to call it a apostolic hub church or I think just the church. We need to right. uh, change the culture of our city. So at that time, and, I, and I've, been, I've lived in Turlock most of my life, so I was raised here. Um, and our town was there, was not very charismatic. There was never really a large charismatic church in our city or Pentecostal church. It was a very traditional, kind of closed off kind of a city. So in my heart, I would say, God, I want to have it change the culture of our city where they're just a move of the spirit all across our city. You know, all across the churches. Now, twenty five years later, it's amazing. You don't have very many churches in Turlock that are against the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. Wow. They might not be totally not. flowing in it, but so right. Right now that used to be cessationists are actually open to the spirit. Uh, just amazing. I think that's just a little bit of the spiritual byproduct of it. But right. one of the things I've learned is, you know, you don't have that much to say spiritually to a city unless you really make practical uh, in- inroads and do practical right. things in a city. So over the years, we've done a lot of things from uh, feeding the poor, from you know, Mormon. giving out groceries and things like that to the community, like many churches do. We helped start. gospel mission here in our city but one of the things i think in recent years that we've really gotten involved with also is the uh the government of our city and and different things like that so obviously i'm pretty involved with our mayor and and city council members and really because one of the things i realized is they need a pastor so the way i approach our city is i don't pastor just harvest church i pastor turlock and uh so there's thousands of people in our city that don't realize i'm their pastor but, so did it. but I'm their pastor. And uh, yes. so when it comes to people running for office or being in office, I really reach out to them just to be a pastor to them. And uh, it's amazing. It's how many of them, even if they have their own church uh, that they go to, is they really appreciate it when you reach out and be there to support them and pray for them. Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of pastors try to stay away from politics And uh, so even so, when their own people run for office, they don't say much. They're not there really to support much because they think it's political. But you know what? Politics is what shapes the future of cities. So we have to get involved with it and bring kingdom principles and uh, kingdom values. So really try to pastor the political uh, people in our city who make decisions. And it's amazing. you know, They have a lot of the same problems we do and uh, people in our church do. And they just appreciate someone that they could trust and who will genuinely love them, care for them, and pray for them. So one of the other things we've done, besides just different involvements in our city and and uh, reaching out to uh, and ministering to our police chiefs, and fire chiefs, and, and all that, is we try to um, buy things for our city. Because one of the things I realized is secular people who uh, aren't believers, they think the church is irrelevant, because the church doesn't pay property taxes or sales tax, right? So right. I thought to myself some years ago. I thought, well, let's speak their language. Let's make actually a practical uh, uh, contribution to the city that they could understand. That will actually blow their mind because churches don't do this. And uh, so right. since then, we've done different things, such as you know buying police dogs for cities. Uh, so every city oh. that we have a campus in. We've done. We reached out to the police department and said, "What do you need that we could buy you?" So, the so for a couple part, of them, we've bought police dogs uh, that have been trained. Uh, one city, uh, on a couple different occasions, they didn't want any dogs. They wanted ballistic equipment, so, <laughs> right. so we've bought them ballistic equipment. And then just recently, uh, for Turlock, um, they wanted a um, police drone, so we bought them a really expensive police drone. Oh,
0: that's that's cool. going to be
1: going into oh. commission here pretty soon, but just practical things like that, that are out of the box. I think right. that, um, that I, I really, it's an inroad, I think, to be able to speak, have a platform to speak into the leaders of your community. So now our, right. our church is used because we're also next door to city hall. We're used all the time for state of the city addresses for the swearing in of the police chief. And so... And then, of course, I'm there to pray and and uh,
0: and right. be a voice. So just some practical things like that. Well, uh, uh, thank you for sharing all that. And uh, I want to talk a little bit more. We're just kind of flowing through this about how apostles really are or should not be afraid of politics. Um, I was in a Central American nation last month. I don't want to share where I was because of who I'm about to talk about a little bit. And I was asked to address their Congress, which I love. Address them, asked for prayer support or, or their prayer needs. They shared them with me. I prayed them back over the Congress. I thought, this is great. Well, I went to a gathering of uh, ministers and shared that about speaking at your Congress. They were highly incensed and greatly insulted that I would even associate with these political people. Wow. I thought, man, you're missing. They're asking for help. They're asking for prayer. So somebody from the outside's having to come in and facilitate prayer for what you guys should be doing. So even in our nation, we have been taught uh, there's such a separation of church and state. Don't touch it. Stay away. How how have how did you facilitate that? Even in your church culture, that we're now in link spiritually with the politics uh, or the. Not the politics perhaps, but the culture yeah. to influence it. How did you get
1: your church there? Uh really, I mean, I was always kinda of a little outspoken, but I think um going through COVID, like all of us, I think it really was a dividing line for everyone. And right. I think everyone kinda of just went into their corners. And one of the realities for I think all of us during that time was, you know, um, the middle doesn't work. In the middle, you don't reach anyone. Now, at the same time, I don't think I'm called to be, uh, you know, wave the flag of the Republican or the Democrats, um, because neither one represents the kingdom. Uh, But really approach it as more kingdom values. So, right, you know, and and I heard somebody say this, I forget who it was. They said, you know, the church hasn't become political, the the politics has become spiritual. And today, you know, Politics is so spiritual, isn't it? Whether we're talking right. about you know uh, abortion or uh you know all sorts of i mean you you named the topic right now going on. it's very spiritual, so right. as pastors as leaders, we have to stand up and give not only voice but give context to what's happening in our culture. so we have to interpret culture through the lens of scripture and I think Right. Especially today, uh, and I don't want to say just younger generations. I think it's true in every generation. Is we have this tendency to try to, you know, we have our beliefs and we find a verse to support our belief, rather than saying my beliefs are going to be formed through the lens of scripture. And I think that is so true in politics. So, you know, we've we've uh, we have different things such as we have a ministry called Salt and Light. That just allows people to get involved right to their congressmen and different things like that, and we talk about the issues that are at hand in our state or in the nation, and what the biblical position of that is, and how you could be involved with that um you know we have our you know mayor and others come through, and we have them stand up, we pray for them, and you know different things like that, so we make it very normal um that we're involved with our city, we're involved with the government, we're involved with all these things because the church used to have a voice. So if the righteous don't stand up and have a voice, in that vacuum you create, um, you know, not you, you create a void for evil to right. come in and, and negative things to come in. And we try not to be weird about it. You know, one of the things I teach our leaders and teach our people is, you know, you have to know how to walk before God and know how to walk before men. So right. you have to make the na- supernatural natural in how you deal with politicians and, and different people like that. So, you know, and on a regular basis, I'll give our city leaders and politicians, you know, many times the Lord gives me a word for them. I'll give them a prophetic word, but I'll do it in a way where they don't realize they got a prophetic word. Right. So, you know, right. I won't shake. I won't say, thus said the Lord. I won't you know, do any of that stuff. Sometimes it's just on a text. And I'll just say, hey, I was praying, you came to my mind, and this is what I feel like I'm supposed to tell you. And uh, just happened the other day, um, one of the leaders in our city who is under a lot of pressure, they were just on my heart. I sent him a text, and I said, hey, you don't have to respond back to this. I was just praying for you. This is what I feel like I'm supposed to tell you. And next morning, I said, wow, I'm so glad you sent me that. I really need to hear that today. And uh, so I've never had one ever refused it or thought I was weird Um, because we try to make it normal where we bring the two together where uh, we're not afraid to talk about the issues what's important to us but at the same time we're ministering to them without being weirdos and uh, and they so appreciate that because again when heaven speaks it changes something on the inside of them.
0: That's awesome. I, I appreciate that. Now I appreciate what you're doing there at Turlock and in the surrounding communities, surrounding cities where you're planting churches and about to plant two more. And uh, something else that speaks highly of you, Ron, is your wife, Jennifer. And Ron and Jennifer co-pastor together, and uh, he serves, really, I would say, strong apostle. She's a prophet. They have a wonderful ministry together. Last time, Jennifer, the both of you are coming uh, later in the year to speak at, at our fellowship, but last time Jennifer was here, she brought her assistant, and uh, me and my wife took them on the way to the airport to the mall, and I just passed out gift cards. Go shopping. You have to spend it all here, and then we're leaving in an hour. She spent hers on you. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so that that's... And she's very complimentary yeah. of you when she's with our fellowship, and I just see how you guys work together, and I, I think that's fabulous. So... It's a healthy body of believers. Here's their website. I want you to check it out. Check out Harvest Church. Check out their ministry. Uh, Listen to his sermons. They are on fire and on point. So, Ron, thank you for taking a, a modern church and applying the principles of the early church and make it relevant in our culture uh, I tell people about your church all the time. I feel very at home there. I tell tell your people when I'm there, wow, I feel like I'm at home. And I, I believe you're going to feel the same thing when you visit us in Dallas. So thank you for being uh, my guest today. I highly esteem you. I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate what you're doing in the kingdom. Thank you for being with us today. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, of course. And thank you for joining us. And uh, you've been enlightened today, haven't you? Uh, this is a little bit of heaven on earth, and so I appreciate, again, the ministry of Ron Evaz and what he's doing in California, not only in California, and this nation and the nations of the world. Well, thank you again for being who you are and for keeping Jesus number one in your life. Be filled with hope and pass that hope out. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.